Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Rob Lewis, Jesse Simonton, and Austin Price. Brent Hubs, glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday. Plenty to get to. Jeremy Pruitt did not come out and say it's on to South Carolina like Bill Belichick, but uh, made it clear he was trying to move on to South Carolina. But there's some things and loose ends to tie up, certainly, from Tennessee's play uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the loss there for the Volunteers. Let's start first with... Um, just your overall thoughts of Tennessee's play, just their effort. We're obviously going to dive into some specifics, but your takeaway from seeing uh, Tennessee against what you know was declared the number one team in the country. I think we can all debate whether or not they're the number one team. They're not the number one team without Tua at the quarterback position. But your takeaways from just Tennessee's performance after rewatching it, um, I won't say sleeping, but having some hours to to take a look at it, Austin. Yeah, I, I thought Tennessee played, uh, you know, as well as they've played this year in spurts Saturday. They fought hard, um, you know, and, and defensively, uh, you know, up front, it was a group I left for dead six weeks ago. And, you know, I don't even know, I actually probably had them buried more than I did I leaving them for dead. And, well, and they've I just, mean, they've, they've, they've manufactured themselves into, you know, a, a, you know, a solid. solid little blue-collar group. Now, they're not, you know, world beaters, but they're also – not a, a necessarily a liability right now either. Hard they, to, they punch back. Yeah. That that that's for the whole team. The, 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 you know, I mean, Alabama scored on three of the four possessions that two was in, and the, the other one was the goal line interception. But Tennessee, despite a disastrous start, you know, with the you go three and out, you have the the two miscues on special teams. Then Maurer has the tip, goes for an interception. You know, they. They weren't afraid, and that's something that I don't think you could say about a lot of Tennessee teams recently and definitely over the course of this 13-game losing streak against Alabama. They weren't afraid. They punched back, and, and right now I think, you know, I was talking to somebody else about this yesterday. I think just kind of a, a word that I would use to kind of describe these Vols is just, they're feisty. Now, can they turn that feistiness into wins? I think that's the next step. I mean, I think – I mean, you can go down back to the Georgia State game for, for one thing and look at how much better they are. I mean, it's, it's night and day, but even more dramatic for me is I go back to the end of last year when I, I mean, I don't, I think you can argue that they, they laid down mm-hmm. against Missouri and Vanderbilt. That was not, that, that is not the identity of this team now. I mean, coming out of Saturday's game, I mean, they, you know, they weren't very good against Georgia late in that game, but, you know, I wouldn't say they, you know, but they, 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 they were feisty, like Jesse said, but I thought you really saw that on Saturday. I mean, I thought you saw a level of physicality <clears throat> that I hadn't seen from them before in a, you know, on the road against the number one team in the country. And Jeremy mentioned it today. I mean, there was adversity. I mean, there were some, some bad calls early. I mean, Tua was hot early. I mean, and Tennessee made some plays and, and hung around and, and looked like they belonged on the field with, with the number one team in the country. So how does this team, who by my account was uncompetitive at Florida, I didn't think they. I didn't think they competed. I didn't think they were competitive against Florida a month ago. How did? How in a month have they become a team that is feisty, a team that's got some physical? I mean, is that just essentially four four weeks of development that they've really developed that much in four weeks? Is it? You know, they're they're trying to be a little more stubborn, trying to run the football and let the offensive line grow a little bit. Is it all Brian Maurer? What is it about this team that went from? Not being a, not having a pulse in Gainesville, Florida, to playing Georgia to the lead basically at the end of the first half, uh, up until the final couple of minutes, beating Mississippi State and being competitive Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Well, I do think that it it's, it all seemed to have started with the bye week, and they made it, they made some personnel changes. Some were big, 
like deciding that you know we're going to switch up the, who, who's going to take the lion's share of reps at quarterbacks and obviously Maurer has not survived lasting all three all three starts uh but others were small and in, in the decisions like hey Matthew Butler and Darrell Middleton are going to play a lot more on, on the defensive line than they played the first couple weeks of the season. Um, we're going to really lean on, you know, we're going to, we're going to, he's going to make some mistakes, but Kovaris Crouch is going to play more. Uh, Kenneth George has now been involved even more the last couple weeks. I just, you know, and I think it cannot be undersold the fact that the staff did not have a good start. One of the, you know, the, all, the best staff in America, deemed by Jeremy Pruitt, did not have a good start to the season, but they have absolutely coached their tails off, I think, the last three games. Now, it, it's come up with two, w, two losses and a W, but in terms of game planning, scheme, putting their players in the best position to succeed, I think they've done yeoman's work compared to how the season started, and not just the Georgia State game. Well, I, and I think, I think the, the, to me, the biggest thing that jumps out of that is Jim Chaney committing to running the football the last three weeks, something I think he was pretty much against doing in the Florida game. I didn't think they committed to trying to run the football in the Florida game at all, but they've, they've shown a commitment to do it. And look, he's been rewarded by that because, with an offensive line that, that's gotten better. But to me, for as much as Brian Maurer has changed things, and he has, okay, when they're in there, they're, they're much more dynamic. I think we all agree that they can throw it to, with more accuracy, they can do things. But to me, the biggest change in the offense is the fact they can line up and have some success running the football. Yeah, and, and you know, you've talked about it, Rob. That the average yards per carry last year, how, des- how woeful it was. It's over four yards a carry by running backs the last two ball games. Yeah, and if you actually take out sacks last year, the the yards per carry are, are a little bit closer. The difference is Tennessee's just not getting the negative plays. Only and that's, two at all. Yeah, and and that's been that's been the key is that they're not just. It's not over the court. They're, they're just not getting tackled in the backfield every play. Uh, so guys like Will Friend, you know, but I think both guys, you know, Will Friend and Tracy Rocker have been maligned at times. Um, but they, 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 both of their units have kind of spurred this galvanization or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, to at least put Tennessee now in a position where you look at the rest of their slate and you say, yeah, they could lose a lot of those games, but they absolutely could win pretty much every single one of them. Yeah, it's really interesting because they're going to be, you know, kind of equal to a lot of these teams that they're playing down the stretch if they can get healthy. I don't think any of us sitting here believe Brian Maurer is going to be available on Saturday. Now it's Tuesday. Who knows? Concussion protocol, whatever. It, it's it's hard to imagine two concussions in eight days that he clears protocol and we would be back on the field. Let's assume for now that he's not. What can Tennessee get out of Jerry Garantano? What can you try to get out of him, considering how the first month of the season went for him to the point he was benched, and considering how things went for him Saturday night in Tuscaloosa, particularly with the fourth and goal play? I mean, that's a, the million-dollar question, I, you know, and I have no answer. Because, I mean, like, we're mentally, I mean, like, I can't imagine that he's even with us right now. I mean, like, you know, if you watched him in his mannerisms on the sideline, I mean, I just sat down there the last three, four minutes of the game on the sideline, I just watched JG. And he kept talking to Pruitt, and you could tell he was like, he had this look on his face like, I really messed up. Like, I mean, like he was just despondent to a degree. And, um, you know, I, I don't – mentally, I just don't know if – you know, <laughs> they may play him Saturday, but I just mentally – I got real questions as to whether, you know, he can even function – and then the people around him, I'm sure you know those, some of those players really have no faith in this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big thing. I mean, and, I, and I think 
I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that Maurer is the only reason you've seen this team get, get some tap in their step, but I mean, I think it's a big reason. Just his confidence, his swagger, and, and I don't think JG brings any of that right now. And I mean, if he plays, I mean, can you imagine how Alvadella that game plan is going to be? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, what's your other option? No offense to JT Shrout, but I think nobody, and talking to people, now, I've not seen JT Shrout scrimmage. I'll be the first to acknowledge that. I've not seen him in 11 on 11 work on the practice field, but you talk to enough people, and it was preseason, it was Jared, it was Maurer, and then Shrout was on down the line, is, is the way it was, and it's continued to feel that way. So, Jesse, my question is, do you have any other option other than Jared if Brian Maurer can't go on Saturday? Well, I threw this out on the board uh, in one of the questions in my review piece about, you know, if, because that, the concern with Shroud is that it's just operationally, they don't think he can get the, the offense even functioning on a play-by-play basis in terms of getting guys lined up, getting the snap off, uh, you know, before the play clock expires. They had to delay a game in three plays, you know, on Saturday with him out there. Um, now, he showed his arm by throwing that, you know, rocket on like a 40-yard palm that was a nice – but if you can't get the snap off, that, 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 that doesn't really matter. So – uh, the question is, do they turn? Do they do some gimmick stuff with Jawan or, or Tim Jordan back there as the Wildcat kind of quarterback? And you know, it, can you do that for four quarters? And is that does that the staff is going to have to decide? Does that give them the best chance of win to win? Excuse me, against a South Carolina team that, as Rob and I kind of discussed on the way home on on Sunday from Alabama. Will Muschamp has no problem getting into a rock fight. He load up as many rocks as you got, and he says, "I'm, I'm, let's build a house." Like, I mean, he's fine with that. Yeah, he loves so, the thirteen ten game. Yeah, as and, much and as anybody. so and so, you know, Tennessee has to decide: does that the shrinking, the the mar- now I know the Vols are a slight underdog here, but it does I think change their margin of of error if they literally just decide, hey, we're going to mostly take the football or take the air out of the football when. Many would agree that Jawan and Callaway and the receivers are probably the best unit on the team. So it's going to be an interesting. It's you know it's an interesting because, dilemma because the counter to that. I mean, some would say if, if 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 it's Jared or if it's Wildcat. If it's Wildcat, it's obviously what you're going to do. If it's Jared, how do you not do anything other than some little short dumps here and there? But play it like you did the second half against Mississippi State because for for the fourth and goal play, which was obviously just a disastrous play total miscommunication all across I think we all acknowledge that changing the play going rogue whatever you want to say that was calamity that was a horrific play he also missed a wide open touchdown to Jawan Jennings that was that was just kind of a throw it out there punt type deal he was as open as you're going to get executed yeah it was a great play call well designed deal by everybody you know he had a he had a a Austin's favorite rail route or wheel route to Tim Jordan always open that if he fit if he hits it to him early he leaves Tim one-on-one with the safety you know coming down coming downhill so it's not like they haven't designed it's not like you're trying to ask him to throw it into tight windows He's, his biggest issue and the reason he lost the job, in my opinion, he couldn't hit wide open people, and he couldn't hit them again on, on Saturday night. So how do you game plan with a guy that you're not sure can hit the open guy? And, you know, you know what I'm saying? But, but, you don't have to, but he's your best option on your roster. I think that's why Jim Cheney makes $1.5 million. It'll be fascinating to see what this plan looks like as the week devol- uh, evolves. 
Yeah, I mean, if we're, as we sit here on Tuesday, I, I still think that the best – what gives Tennessee the best chance, if you were talking about in terms of variance, if you played the game ten times, what would give Tennessee the best chance is taking the plan they had in the second half against Mississippi State, where you do mostly take the air out of the football, but you at least have some of those RPO options that it's very simple, short stuff, and you don't let Jawan get the hell beat out of him, which I think is a big factor. If, if, you're, if he plays quarterback on Saturday against South Carolina, how many times is Ken Law just going to sit on him? And then what, is it, what are the repercussions for that the rest of the season? Because this is, if you're talking about Tennessee wanting to get to a bowl game, they need to win Saturday, but then they also have to win some other games down the road, which you're going to be counting on Jawan. I, I just think more I just often, don't think it's realistic that you can line up Jawan Jennings and say, be my quarterback. Now, look, I think if you Well, so the one we're in agreement. Then. Right. I mean, so I, we're in agreement. Yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't. I also don't know that you can be real open in a plan. I think what you're saying, and I agree with the, the second half of the Mississippi State plan, is how you have to play this game. Now, do I play Jawan Jennings in a Wildcat? Absolutely. Sure. Do, do I let him throw it out of the Wildcat? Would not be opposed to it in the bit at all. But for him to play 50, 60 snaps at quarterback, I think is unrealistic. Yeah. But also, and I think one, another thing, I mean, to Jesse's point about Jarrett being under center is, I mean, I thought Jeremy went out of his way today to make sure that, you know, I mean, he had to say it, don't get me wrong, but I mean, he didn't throw he him He quadrupled the down. He I did. Mean, I mean, in he's back, like, still got faith in him, you know, still believed in him. Haven't wavered on him. And I mean, just, I mean, to me, if you read between the lines, that tells you that you know, that's, that, that may be his best option on Saturday. And as much as he may not like it, he knows it. Well, and I think it started – Austin, I think that started post-game at the podium in, in Tuscaloosa because he – I mean, he – He said he did good things. He pointed out that he did some good things. And I thought that was the – I'm going to pump my brakes here because I may have to play with this guy for a yeah. week or two weeks or who knows. It's knowing that you got to hold your nose a little bit. Yeah. It yeah, may I mean, stink, but you got to hold your nose. Yeah, you just got to get through it. And, and, you know, obviously they don't have a lot of faith in JT um, – Problem is, man. I mean, that you, you talk about. You know, he, he he implored the crowd on Monday. You know, you know, it's been great all year. We expect it to be great again Saturday at four. They run when, two when, out there. When, There's gonna be some loud. When, when they announced the start, if I was game day ops, I wouldn't do starting lineup Saturday. Because I mean, like, if they announce two as the starting quarterback Saturday, that place will come unglued. I mean, it's well, but even if they don't, when he trots out there, yes. it's going to yeah. come unglued. But the reality is, and we had the offense, and we had to tell the crowd, you <laughs> have Trey Smith doing the hand, the angels <coughs> in the outfield hand wave down. But, but Rob, I mean, look, you, you got three point. I mean, the guy's making three point eight million dollars to decide who's the best guy. I mean, yeah. as as a fan base, I mean, that's you got to roll. I mean, you may have to roll with that because totally, that's what he's going to trust do. me. I've got I've got a seventeen year old who's going to be wearing checkerboard overalls on Saturday. I understand where every right every two every fan trust me. I got I got all the text in the fourth quarter <laughs> Saturday night while I was I, mean, I, I get where every fan's head is at. I just I mean Jeremy Pruitt. I mean I, I feel like his comments today, his comments. After, I mean you're exactly right. He 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 may not like it, but he just he knows that the, it will be a, might, might give him the it best will be a fascinating. And this is you know we can talk we can move. The fan base certainly, I'm, and I wrote about this in my review piece. College football is weird sometimes. Tennessee loses by 22. You know, you just see it. That's a, okay. That's three touchdowns, whatever. And yet, the fan base has probably never been more galvanized behind a guy than they have since he got hired. And yet, if Jarrett goes out there and screws up again, how quickly do you lose that? Yeah, it's how many just, times it's have, we seen the, have, we, have we seen the phrase "die on that hill" on the GQ the last couple of days? 
I mean, like, you really feel like, you know, Jeremy could die on that hill with JG because what are the fans going to say if when he don't play Shroud? Well, this is the same guy that didn't think Maurer was the, 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 you know, good enough to start, and Maurer's been the best quarterback Tennessee's got. So why not give Shroud a, 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 a go? That's where, where the fans mentally, sure. I think, will, 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 will counter back to, well, JG's the best, you know, option. You know, I mean, we, I was asked about it Saturday in the chat after the game. How can the staff watch JG every day in practice and think he's the best guy? You know, start fall camp. I said, same way Tiger Woods goes to the range and they know him. He's known as Ranger Rick, and he hits his driver to stray as a string, and then he goes to the course and it's right and it's left and it's right and it's left. Because what? There's no repercussions on the driving range. You're not keeping score. There's really no repercussions on the practice. You're not really keeping score on the practice. I mean, how many times when you like to have a dollar for every time Jeremy said Jarrett's practiced really well? I mean, I, I, mean, I think he, pretty, he wasn't just making that up. No, I don't <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt wants to win football games. Well, and he's gonna I play mean, whoever he thinks yeah, can win. You're exactly right, Rob. I mean, I, I think that, and I think you could you would find some people who would say when you watch the tape, if you brought a scout in to sit down and watch the tape of practice last week, who was the best quarterback? There would be some people who would say it was Jared because well, we were out there in individual periods. There was Jim Cheney screaming at Brian Maurer because the 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 rep in the individual period in the Mestre was supposed to go left, and he ran it right multiple times. You know. Um, so th that's part of where that comes from, and I think it is going to be fat. You're right. F college football fans are, are are fascinating, and it's not a knock on any Tennessee fan in any way, shape, or form. It's the, the the passion in college football is unmatched anywhere else. You lose by 22 points, Jesse, and Pruitt is suddenly now the most Tennessee, the most pro Tennessee he's ever been. Yeah, the Bama boy because, is suddenly bleeding he's, orange. He's fighting hard against his against his Alabama. He's defending the orange against Alabama. You know, whereas some people were saying earlier in the week they were mad because he was giving them too much praise, too much too much gushing over Alabama. His form. It's just it, it's it's funny the emotions that that swing with this. I, go ahead. I just want to say before we move on, I just gonna I want to know if anybody saw it before we move on from from number two. Uh, my favorite tweet of the weekend was some poor bitter ball fan Saturday night said the only winner tonight is Arian Foster, who is no longer the least popular Tennessee player in history. <laughs> <laughs> and for yeah. my favorite tweet of the weekend. That's <laughs> I can I'm sure he was probably not alone in in. in and, and that vibe, or, or and that I give you credit, but I can't remember who it was. All right, let's let's talk a little bit about the officiating element of it. Now we're not going to break down every play that the officials missed and all that stuff. But I thought Jeremy Pruitt's comments on on Monday were pretty interesting. A bit calculate, certainly calculating in how he said he he went out and made it clear some calls he disagreed with, um, made it clear that he was wrong on a couple things after talking to league officials on Sunday. But I thought the biggest takeaway was Rob, he has the same takeaway tennis, or not Tennessee fans, but all SEC fans, college football fans, particularly SEC fans have in regards to fishing, the accountability, no accountability. or lack thereof. No I thought that was an interesting take of, uh, interesting way of criticizing well, the officials, but more criticizing the well, process and, with the and officials. And I think there's groundswell for it, not just in the SEC, but you go back to the NFL last Monday night. I mean, Green Bay wins a game they shouldn't have won because of two just egregious to, you know, phantom calls when you go back and look at it on tape. And, and that was, that's been a theme from, I mean, I heard Peter King talking about it at, on, on his podcast. It was like his main theme. I mean, like no accountability for officials. And it's the same thing in college football. And I, I mean, I don't know what you can do to fix it, but the fact that they never have to answer a question, it, I mean, with all the technology that we have right now, I don't, 
I don't know that there's not something that can be done. Well, I mean, but what, it's not just as much them answering a question. I think some people want, they, they want punishment. Like, sure. is that is that group bump? are they graded? Are they bumped down? They don't get as important of a game, Jesse, or they get suspended? I mean, you had the basketball official last year that had the Facebook stuff. We've not seen him since. He just disappeared. The league never said where he went. You know, he's in ex- Chile. He's in Chile. <laughs> he's in Chile. He went into exile somewhere. But but what do you do if you're the league? What pro, baby? What pro? And, 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 he's hanging out with Cajun and <laughs> if you're uh, Alex. If you're if you're Steve Shaw, how do you? I mean, because they came up with this this. The best thing the, about they Steve were Shaw do is the every Twitter time deal, and that just never. No, I mean, and the best you know. thing about Steve Shaw, it doesn't matter if it's Jeremy. Will, because Will had obviously South Carolina had oh, had plenty of reasons to be absolutely. mad on Saturday as well. The best thing is that everyone always is like, "Love Steve Shaw, great guy," and then because they don't a, want it to get worse with just a giant oh. butt. Yeah, with just the, the the biggest butt caveat coming after that. And and I did think that was one probably one of the better answers Jeremy's given to a question since he's come to Tennessee. I mean, he was able to kind of circle and hit all parts you know the sec their job's hard i was wrong you know i I saw some things on the sidelines that i complained about that upon review i was wrong about and yet there was also three or four things that were just egregiously bad he noted the daryl taylor one obviously that one blew up on twitter uh the hold against one there was no hold you could certainly make a case for tim jordan but as jeremy said there's holding on every play where's the accountability of why you called that but maybe not some other ones um, to me, the, the craziest one was just them stopping it in the middle of, uh, of before, you know, in Tennessee. And, and, and that's the case, again, that's, I give Tennessee staff credit there. That, that's an example of Tennessee staff would have not done that, I think, even a month ago. With where, I think there's been some co- – we talk about cohesion on the offensive line and all that. The staff now – Jarrett gets his helmet knocked off. He has to leave the game. No panic. Tennessee has has a play call. All right, we're gonna run Wildcat. We're down in the red zone. Tennessee gets lined up, and it's Alabama that's confused. Right. And the officials stop it, just inexplicably. But yeah, you know, that, that was just an aside. But no, it's a good to, point. I just want to really give credit point. to the staff. Yeah, absolutely. I, South Carolina, Georgia I mean, State, BYU. Yeah, there wasn't this timeout. Yeah, wasn't this timeout or everyone looking right. around, whatever. I mean, like the staff had a plan. It was go. All right, this is what happened. Go. And and th- we don't see that a month ago, in my opinion. Uh, but that was obviously just an inexplicable call. But Jeremy's kind of response, circling back to it's hard, but where is the accountability? Where are the repercussions? That's something that everyone's asking. The Twitter thing, like as you mentioned, that died on a, that died immediately. Never, never even never even got off. Never even yeah. Never <laughs> even got off the ground. Uh, my guess is this is going to be a, a huge discussion again heading into the off season. And perhaps the league does make some sort of decision, um, you know, when we, when we convene for media days uh, next summer. Because it's just, it's just, it's getting too bad. Where, and it's not even just people talking about like the Bama bias or whatever. Because it's multiple teams and multiple, you know, SEC towns on Saturday were just completely livid by just calls that made absolutely no sense. Is it that it's gotten worse because the speed of the game's gotten better? It's gotten harder to officiate with all the sophistication stuff. Or has it gotten worse from a technology standpoint that we have 97 different angles of everything that took place? Or is it a combination both. of both? Okay. It's both. I, I don't agree. think the officiating is as good. And the advanced look at everything really I think, does. I think HD and 23 cameras and everything. Yeah, man. I mean, you've got, I mean, like, it's rare that you have, like, not enough cameras. 
like you know, it's rare that you have a play where you go, oh, I just didn't get a good, we didn't have a good look at that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'll say this, you know, the old Phil Jackson, you know, when Jordan wouldn't get the calls and Phil would complain, and the next week or the next game, Jordan got the calls. Yeah. How's it going to go Saturday? Because Muschamp and Pruitt have been calling all since Sunday, you know. I don't know that I want to be that officiating on Saturday. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> you know, that's going to be a rough crew to work Saturday afternoon. The biggest thing that these coaches really want, and I think, you know, Jeremy, this wasn't a play that, like, Jeremy pointed out, but it, just in talking, I mean, like. It's consistency. Yeah, it's just, you know, but Alabama got flagged a bunch of times, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, may, they, 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 and they probably had some reasons to be mad on some calls against them, but. Hubert Owens' crew in that game was being very ticky-tack, specifically on pass interference, for example. Both sides got flagged multiple times. And yet, then Jawan gets mugged in the end zone, and there's no – and that's just it, – it doesn't add up, and it just made no sense. And, and so I think there was some similar frustrations with Jeremy that he did air publicly on Monday with kind of the holding call down the goal line that, you know – Tennessee probably got away with some holds earlier on near the goal line, and Alabama did too. But they weren't, you know, what? So why was why that, that particular? What was so egregious about what Tim Jordan hooked them there that, that you would call it? And I, I think that's where the frustration really comes through. Well, and then you come up with, I mean, the personal foul penalty against Daryl Taylor. Nobody ever calls that. I mean, guys, guys. Guys push off the other guy's body, getting off a. Getting oh, that was you talk about SEC fan bases uniting against Alabama. That was one of the funnier things was, when we were yeah. leaving. When we were leaving the stadium, and there was like well, Georgia fans, Florida fans, LSU LSU fans, all the literally doing videos from the last two years of Alabama players doing exactly what Daryl Taylor did or for worse. no flag, right. or worse, but specifically just like in huge games. Well, but th- that's never called. The other <laughs> it was and hilarious. That, that's fourth and ten, and they yeah. never in the twenty-four. Right, they never call. They they rarely do they you know call anybody illegally downfield as, as Pruitt mentioned on Monday an RPO game you can watch anybody that throws RPO which we talked back, about that a week, week or two ago on the podcast yeah. a week or two and you can see it the yeah. screen you can see it in the screenplay you see it everywhere but the other thing too is the peelback block and that went against that went in Tennessee's favor and went against Alabama no, nobody calls that either you know and so I think there's the thing that drives officiate drives officials. Uh, our drives coach is certainly crazy, um, you know, mo- moving forward for sure. And so, you're, And you're talking about a Tennessee uh, team that's averaging five penalties a game, you know, going into that one. Yeah, and, and got flagged 18 times for, for sure. Um, all right, so plenty more to talk about with um, not the Alabama game, but the South Carolina game. We'll have a better idea, hopefully, as we get later in the week as to what this game plan is going to look like. and what Tennessee can do or what they can't do from there. I will close it out with this, and let me ask you this. Um, does, does Jeremy Pruitt have to be careful, mindful with his team more this week physically because they're, in th- they're, they're through three physical games. They played a late game against Alabama to the point he didn't practice on Sunday. Are you more concerned about the mentality that you can't put – stuff behind you from Saturday because everybody's going to ask you for multiple days or tell you for multiple days how, how big how big of a screw job you got because they called this flag that flag does he have to be mindful of that or do we make or do I make too much out of that do you think kids just are resilient they move on not thinking twice about what happened necessarily with the officiating in the Alabama game it's more the physical side you got to be worried about I go with the physical side. I, mean, I think that's real at this point in the season. I mean, you just get worn when down. you don't have the depth they Mentally, have. Man, I think the, I think the guys are probably a pretty good, probably in a better spot than they had been all year. I mean, I'm sure they're down, but I mean, I, I would think that it's you know, flipping on the tape on Monday and seeing how you, you 
get just job by the officials and, and your backup quarterback made one of the most egregious plays in, in history and you're right there with eight minutes to go in the game against the number one team in the country on the road. I mean, I, I think they got a lot to build on, a lot to feel good about. But it's more the fact that Juwan Jennings is playing punt coverage yeah. in the I mean, fourth I quarter. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think once you get to this point in the SEC season, I mean, I, I think it's a grind. I mean, because you've got a lot of big, strong, fast kids that are just banging each other every week. And I think that, I, I mean, I really think that adds up. South Carolina, Jesse, is coming off two physical games. Is there a whole lot different from a physicality standpoint? Yeah, I, I think both of these teams are in a similar positions. I, South Carolina probably has a little bit better depth up front than Tennessee on the defensive line. Um, but their quarterback's banged up, you know, too. I mean, they're down to their second and possibly third string. Uh, I mean, I think Holinsky's going to still be able to go. But, you know, he, he's, he's battling a knee. So these are – these are kind of mirror teams right now, uh, and I think that's what's going to make Saturday such kind of a, a slobber knocker, and kind of it's going to be ugly. Uh, so, but it should be a good game. All right, let's flip it to recruiting right quick. We got movement with the Memphis with the Memphis Whitehaven trio in terms of a decommit, and then we've got the silent uh, the emoji of silence. We're not going to talk to anybody, Austin. Respect but, my decision, where, AP. Where are we at with that? Where are we at with that one right now? Well, obviously, that's uh, to me the outlier of the three was Martavis French. Um, for him to decommit from Arkansas, uh, I thought that was a huge, huge sign that it, you know Tennessee's going to hit on all three of these kids. Um, you know, when do they do it? You know, I continue to be told that you know specifically Bryson wants to do the whole hat on the table thing. Um, you know, we'll see if that gets to that point. I know Tennessee could, you know, a, a nice, well-timed commitment could could go a long way, or commit months could go a long way for them right now. So. Um, you know, I, Tennessee, I think, is going to be the destination for those guys. That's not a surprise to anyone. Um, but like I said, French, you know, he was the one that you weren't sure on. I felt like Tennessee was in a great shot with McDo spot with McDonald and, and, and of course, Bryson um, as well as his family really, really, really well, likes Knoxville. Yeah, and then when you look at um, Hardy and – Tyler Barron, everybody keeps wondering and waiting. And well, I mean, sounds like more visits and not in a hurry for either one of those guys. Well, right I now. think Hardy's going to visit, you know, Auburn, potentially Florida. Um, you know, I still think Tennessee's in a really good shape there. I, you know, I just think some of these kids like the whole song and dance and the the allure of recruiting. You know, um, with Tyler Barron, you know, I think Ohio State is not a factor. Um, I, I, you know, I do think Kentucky's more of a factor than they were, um, and, and you know. Considering that they didn't even offer him until a month and a half, two months ago, you know they've done a really nice job there um, with Tyler. But I, I don't think Ohio State's a factor. I still think it's Tennessee. We'll still be shocked if it's not Tennessee. Um, but you know I do think it's it's more Tennessee, Kentucky than it is anything else at this point. Yeah, and that's one guy we've been talking about potential dates for forever. And, well, I mean his birthday's tomorrow, right? You know, or today. Sorry. But, um, but so that's I mean, not, like, you know. The plan or the thought was initially that he might do it on his birthday. Well, that was his plan, and I think it's adjusted off of that. Right, and so the waiting game continues there with that. We'll see what Tennessee ends up with this weekend in terms of visitors on campus as well with a 4 o'clock start, chance to get some guys on campus. Who comes in, who, who's not here, what's that going to look like? I think it's going to be interesting, don't you? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think you, you want to get Keyshawn Lawrence back up here, but you know, the double-edged sword of that is is – you know, you're playing South Carolina, a team that's obviously trying to get him to flip to their side. He comes off that official visit to Oklahoma, official visit that his parents went on. Um, you know, I, I would be shocked if he went to Oklahoma. Um, I, I just think that South Carolina, his relationship with, with Will and T-Rob, 
is uh, is greater than it is with the Oklahoma staff. So if, if he's going to move on from Tennessee, and I don't think that happens, but you know if he's going to do it, to me, South Carolina makes the most sense because they're losing corners, they're losing safeties. You know, by the time he gets to campus, J.C. Horn is a junior. You know, there's probably a better spot there for him at South Carolina than there is Oklahoma if he's going to. If he's going to flip. Yeah. Well, the reality is Tennessee needs wins starting on Saturday, and recruiting uh, would be a big win for Tennessee from a recruiting standpoint. Mari Thomas and uh, what's it called coming in on official visits, though? So that'll be big. Yeah, that's right. So you, you, know, got a, you got Big O coming in for an official. Yeah. And the Hall kid, was it? The big, the big kid from Texas. Yeah. Uh, the offensive lineman that they recently offered that from, from Texas are going to be in as well. So a couple of recruiting that's big for Omari Thomas. That was huge. And Tennessee needs to have a big weekend for him. So we'll – And uh, the Whitehaven trio, if they land – if that – the dominoes there go how we expect, that only helps Tennessee with, with Big O. Yeah, agreed. Okay. So we'll see how that plays out this weekend in terms of who all shows up. Much more on recruiting coming up in the Friday podcast so we get a better idea of exactly who will be here and who won't be there. Uh, and that type of thing. But that's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.